Good evening to everybody. Colossians, the fourth chapter and verse five, the Bible says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. That sounds a lot like uh, the message we've been hearing, the fields are ripe. <laughs> Redeem the time because those outside are ready. Verse six says, let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Those are wonderful words of wisdom and advice that Paul gives to the Colossian people. He's preparing them, helping them to do the very job that this theme is centered around, evangelism. I love evangelism. Evangelism is one of my favorite subjects to teach on. And I'm grateful to the 21st Street Brethren for this topic choice and for asking me to teach. Thank you very much for that opportunity. I think there are a lot of things we can learn from the evangelistic efforts of the people throughout the scriptures. What I'd like to do with my time tonight uh, is talk about effective evangelism. The way that we evangelize, I think, is just as important as the message itself. So first and foremost, I'd like to say choosing to share should be measured as a success. A lot of times I think we confuse what successful evangelism is. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter in verse 6, Paul will go on to tell the brethren at Corinth, he planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Your effort and your part are simple. All you need to do is share the message, share the fact that Jesus died, that uh, he was raised again, and that we have an opportunity to be washed from our sins. That message, it, when you preach that message to people, that is success. It's successful. Romans 1.16 uh, having the attitude of Paul, that's success. He says in Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. You know, we oftentimes want to base success on how many people are converted or how many people listen to what you're saying or are interested in what you're saying, but success in God's eyes is so much different. And that's something that we need to understand before we even talk about effective evangelism. Of course, God wants us to do our best he wants us to focus on how we can improve in being effective in the message that we deliver. But first, the first component is just understanding and getting, getting it out there and trying. Wayne Gretzky was uh, mentioned last night by one of our brethren, and he still currently is the goal leader in the NHL today. But he shared a little worldly wisdom on his subject uh, of expertise that applies to our subject today too. He says you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. When you have an opportunity to preach the gospel to somebody, when you have an opportunity to share the good message of Jesus Christ, you need to take it. You need to take that opportunity and don't throw away your shot. How can we become more effective evangelists though? With the rest of my time today, I'd like to look at a few passages uh, and look at a few case studies from the scriptures that I think can help us in the way that we evangelize. A couple of Bible verses on teaching uh, to begin. Second Timothy, the, uh, the second chapter, verse 15. The Bible would say, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What does that mean, rightly handling the word of truth? Rightly handling the word of truth means telling the whole truth for what it is. We can't be afraid or ashamed of what the truth teaches, and we need to teach what the Word teaches. Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul says he told them the whole truth, and we shouldn't leave portions of the truth out because it may offend or upset. The truth is the truth, 
And we don't need to be ashamed of that fact. Rightly handling the word of truth also includes not elevating your own ideas to the level of Scripture. If you have an idea that you believe is in teaching and in line with God's word, and you lay that right alongside God's word, that's fine for you, but make sure you're not elevating your word to the level of Scripture. God's word is what it is, and when we allow our opinions to rise to that level, we're not doing the Scriptures any justice because you can't prove the things that you're trying to prove with the book. As Jesus taught the people in the Sermon on the Mount, he would share a very important point relevant to our subject today. Matthew 7 and 12 says, do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. Do we share the gospel in that way? Titus 2 verse 7 and 8 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Have you ever put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're trying to work with, that you're trying to help, that you're trying to teach? If you're in the shoes of that person that you're sharing your message with, how would you like to be spoken to? What are the things that would catch your attention? What are the things, have you, if you don't just stop and think about that question for a minute, then you're not going to be as effective as you can be as, or maybe as you need to be. Our goal is not to win an argument, it's not to win a fight, it's to help save that person's soul. And this is a science that I don't think we've scratched the surface of, and we should be talking about it. We should be working on it. We should help each other to be more effective in the way that we evangelize. You know, sometimes I think we can't even communicate with each other using these same principles uh, just amongst ourselves, but how much more important is it for us to speak to non-Christians with kindness and to speak the whole truth to them? I believe we can also benefit from looking at a few examples in the scriptures. Those, those few uh, verses that I've just read are wonderful to consider with regard to evangelism. But looking at how people did evangelism in that day also is helpful. And I'd like to start right where, right where we've been through this whole meeting in John chapter 4. John 4 is our theme. And Jesus just did a beautiful job of showing us how to help people. Jesus with the woman at the well, I want to know first, he told her the truth about her condition. <laughs> it was a hard thing for her to swallow, but he told her the truth about where she was. He said, go call your husband. <laughs> Jesus said that knowing she didn't have a husband. She confessed such. And then Jesus turned around and said, well, the guy you're living with right now isn't your husband, but he's your potential sixth, I guess. <laughs> this fact didn't frighten Jesus away either. And I like for us to notice that too. Sometimes when we get to talking with people, when we learn about some of the things that have happened, we think, well, this one might be just too far gone. But the fact that this woman was living with her potential sixth didn't scare Jesus away at all. It didn't give him a reason to give up and to say, well, this one's probably gonna be a lost cause. He told her the truth. And not only did he tell her the whole truth, he revealed the solution to her problem. He said, I'm the Messiah, and there's a kingdom coming that you too can be a part of. And that's as simple and as sweet as it can be with every opportunity we have out there in the world today. Helping people identify there's a problem, and you, you've got a fix for it. The Lord has provided you a fix for it. 
Jesus teaches us that effective evangelism is honest but kind. Do we care more, again, about winning an argument with somebody or helping a person to understand truth? When Paul was pleading with his brethren to come to Christ, I'd like for us to listen to his spirit. Listen to his attitude through this. In Acts 23, verse 1, the Bible says this, and looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded that those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Paul was given space to speak after this. You want to know why? (laughs) It's because he admitted he made a mistake. I was raised in the church. I was told from an early age that we're doing things right where so many are doing things not right. And my rightness, I think, obscured my view to the fact that I still had a lot to learn. I greatly, greatly valued Brother Brother Ferguson's comment last night as he urged us to preach the gospel with humility. It's only natural, I think, that many of us get into a mindset where we have a special knowledge that the world doesn't have. It's natural to think that we've got everything figured out and maybe even that we're better sometimes than our fellow man. But please observe the scriptures. Jesus was in a position where he definitely was better than the woman he sat across from. As a son of God, he's better than anyone he would sit near. But we are not. Paul was sitting here with the high priest, a representative of God, that commanded a man be slapped in the face, which was against their law. Paul was not even wrong in saying that he, he was slapped contrary to the, wall, to the law. He was right about that. But he still take, took time to admit an error he had made in judgment. Admit, admitting the error, he didn't know that he was the high priest. The Bible, the law says... We shouldn't speak evil of our rulers. We would all say Paul was a better man and a better believer than Ananias was. But he took a moment to show the type of man that he was, that he was a man of integrity, that when he spoke and the very first word that he said, that he had a clear conscience, he proved that he demonstrated that he had a clear conscience by clearing his conscience of what what mistake he just made. He was a living example to those people. This is how you handle problems. This is how you handle mistakes and sins that come. The lack of humility is an aroma that causes people to hate religion. I was at UCO's campus uh, doing some evangelistic opportunity seeking and there was a table next to me filled with atheists promoting their own religion, I guess you could say. Uh, after talking with several of them, do you want to know what I found? Most of them were not atheists. They were not atheists. They were agnostic. Everyone I spoke to, if memory serves me well, used to go to church. These people were agnostics that were tired of hypocrites telling them how much better they had Christianity and church figured out. 
Did they want to live in a way that was rebellious and ungodly? Yeah, I think some of them did. And I'm not saying that any person can use people as an excuse to shame the word of God. But what I am saying is this. Their experiences with religious people put them off. Not a single one of them said, I quit going to church because I didn't want to do what God said. They said it was this person or that person. And every one of those atheists that share their story with me, shared that people had caused them to dislike religion. Now listen, Brother Deering said it very properly yesterday. There will be some people who hate us because of what we believe, because of what we stand for and what we defend as the truth. But I don't think that's the majority of people out there yet. There will be some that want to live differently than God instructs. And someday they're going to know that that was the wrong choice. But in the meantime, if we treat them with genuine concern and kindness, I think most people will respect that, even if they don't agree with us. Our attitude should never be the reason that someone shuts their ears to the gospel message. Recognize today, we might not know everything we need to know. We need to check our arrogance at the door to become effective evangelists. And we need to admit fault when we make it and point out that that person's need for Christ is no different than my need for Christ. When you sit across from somebody, make sure they know that. Yes, we've been washed, but we still make mistakes every day. And people need to see that and they need to know that you don't think you're any better than they will before they even open their ears to you. They need to know the reason that you want to share the message is because you care about them. You care about their souls. Paul would speak to his brethren in the previous chapter in Acts 22 saying that he was just like they were. He was a Jew who persecuted the way. He was trained by Gamaliel. He would give these people a reason to believe. And really, isn't that our ultimate goal? Giving people a reason to believe. In summary, don't throw away your shot to preach when you've got it. Remember, success is found in sharing the gospel, not in converting somebody. Rightly handle the word of truth, God's whole word, not just pieces or portions that you think are easy to hear, but his whole word. And don't elevate your own ideas to the level of scripture. Teach with kindness as we would want to be taught. Matthew 10, 16, behold, I'm sending you out a sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. You know, sometimes it's a sword, but sometimes it's a staff. And you've got to know, you've got to have discernment with how you use it. We need to be humble and willing to admit fault. We need to be willing to admit we might not have all the answers, but we have a book that does, that can guide us and can lead us into truth. And we need to tell them that we care enough about them to say something. Thank you for your time.